Welcome to Asian Pacific Voices Radio, where you'll find stimulating conversations that explore diverse topics and stories impacting our communities. I'm your host, Rasha Goel, and I'm so thrilled to be talking to our special guest today, Veronica Dang. Veronica is a very multi-talented individual. She's an actress, director, writer, and comedian. She was born in Pennsylvania to a large family who escaped Saigon alongside the last U.S. troops in Vietnam. Veronica has been featured in various film in various television shows, excuse me, ranging from playing a hipster who finds a dead body on Law and Order SVU to representing sweatshop workers on Saturday Night Live. Veronica has also started in independent films and off-Broadway shows and been featured in a wide variety of commercials and print campaigns. She is the founder of New York City's premier all-Asian American sketch comedy team, Model Majority, which is sold out all their New York Times and Time Out New York recommended live shows. That is incredible. Veronica, welcome and thank you for joining us today. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Our pleasure. You've accomplished so much. And before we get into all of that, I want to kind of go back to your childhood. Um, I can't even imagine what that experience must have been like for having your family escape from Vietnam, come to the U.S., reestablish themselves, and then for you to grow up in with with two cultures, basically. So talk to me a little bit about what your childhood was like. Yeah, I was like, you know, pretty young, so I don't really remember it, but I just remember like just seeing my family struggle, you know, because they came from Vietnam where they were, you know, I guess the equivalent of like middle class, you know, highly educated um, professionals that had careers and, you know, family and support um, to come here and not their native language and to deal with so much racism. Um, like it was so difficult for them to even get a job, even with their education, because of the bias uh, against Asians mm-hmm. during that time uh, with the Vietnam War and all the conflict about, you know, pro and against the war. And uh, and when they did get jobs, it was just like these, like, I don't even know if they were minimum wage. It might have been like un, like less than minimum wage because they were immigrants. Oh. You know what I mean? Like, cause like my mom was working like in a button factory, and my dad was like helping out like a politician um, mm-hmm. to deal with like uh, paperwork and stuff because he, he was a lawyer um, in Vietnam. And I That's- just it was they just they're just like it was very very tough, especially when they had such a large family. Like um, I have I'm the youngest of five. And I was born oh. here, the only one born in the U.S. So I always joke that I'm the only one who could be president. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> oh, I can only imagine then what, what you had to go through. Um, and But, you know, I have to also honor at the same time that how your family has persevered, right, and paved their pathway here. And you are pursuing your own journey right now with your own decisions. So, Veronica, I understand that you originally started off pursuing a career in medicine, but then changed over to the entertainment industry. So tell me a little bit about that transition. When did you know that I don't want to do medicine anymore? And how did your parents react to your decision? Well, uh, you know, I did, I I always loved science and medicine. Um, 
and, and of the three choices that a typical Asian American family have of doctor, lawyer, engineer, that was the one that I felt like suited me the best, you know, because I like science medicine and I like helping people. Um, and so I got, you know, my degree in biochemistry and then I got my master's in public health. And because um, I thought I was going to do like MD, MPH, um, so I could do research and medicine at the same time. And then it was during a time like, you know, where they started cutting funding for science and medicine because it's not valued. As you can see, you know, years later with the pandemic that we've like completely abandoned this stuff, the things that are really important to keep us safe. Um, and I, but, and um, I had a job doing research and they like lost funding. So I couldn't continue the research. And then, so I just like went to school and I was like, you know, I'm very sad about it, you know? And I was like, what am I going to do? And then I remembered like, I've always had an interest in the arts, like ever since I was little, like, you know, I started, like we talked about, like I started playing piano when I was five and I loved like reading and watching TV. Like, you know, when I was young, like the TV was like my babysitter. So um, it was often with these like, you know, families, their parents are working like two, three jobs. You like, they just like, you stayed at home, locked up and then they came after work and, uh, and then you had dinner. But yeah, so I spent a lot of time, you know, of course doing homework because, you know, how to get this, like, A's, um, you know, be the perfect uh, Asian child, right? And, um, but yeah, like, when I was like, oh, this, it doesn't look like science and medicine is really valued, and it was, like, hard to get work, and then I just, like, had so much debt from graduate school. I was like, I was like, you know, while I'm, like, you know, not doing the research, let me just pursue this acting thing while I'm in school. And so then I did that and I was like, I just loved it. And I never thought it would like be something I would do as a career, but like every time I did it, like I would get more and more opportunities and then I started exploring other things and then just like got sucked in. And then like, I kept saying, oh, I'll go back to medical school. And it's been many years and I haven't yet. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if they've ever accepted it. Uh, <laughs> but sometimes like, you know, when I'll win awards or something um, and they'll be like, oh, you know, we struggled so that you could do this whereas before they're like nope no daughter of mine is ever gonna be in you know the, at the arts or uh, because like in vietnam like some like actresses are considered like equivalent to like concubines you know they're not oh, like res they're not well respected but when i became okay. like writer director then they like oh well that you're in charge so then that's a little more acceptable so initially they weren't on board with it, but as time went on by, is it fair to say that they kind of just started accepting it and seeing all the Yeah, because they knew that was something like I was going to keep doing, you know, and I loved it. Um, I, they still hope that I'll like get a real job and go to medical school. But it, like, yeah, before it was just like, it was, it, yeah, I couldn't even talk to them about it. And I didn't even tell them. I they come around eventually, right? <laughs> you break them down yeah. eventually. I think they do, but I think there's always like you, you you mentioned something so interesting. Like there's that little hope of oh, she'll get a real job at some point, right? So there's yeah. that acceptance, but that that full full acceptance of okay, that my child can be an artist and be successful at this. And and speaking of artistry, you've done so much. You know, you've done films and television shows and off Broadway shows. Um, tell me, talk to me about what have been some factors that have helped you lead up to getting those opportunities and then um, what you've enjoyed the most. Oh, it's so hard to choose because I love them at the time, you know, um, and I have fond memories of everything because 
when you're an Asian actor, there's like very few opportunities to do anything like that's like meaningful. Um, that's not just like stereotypes or just like silent or a few lines in the background or whatever. So like I, I, I literally love everything that I've gotten to do. Um, most recently, like this past year, I've gotten to be like leads in like these full length plays, which was amazing. And so, and, and also getting to found my like sketch comedy team has been such an award experience. Yeah, let's let's talk about that model majority. Now you're the founder and executive director of this all American sketch comedy team. They've sold out shows. Um, all through the New York Times and Time Out New York has recommended the live show. So that that's pretty huge. Congratulations on that. Thank you. Um, how did this team come together and what was your intent behind creating this group? Yeah, so uh, as everybody knows, Crazy Rich Agents came out. And even before that, like for years, I'd always like, oh, I want to be an SNL. But like I never saw anybody like me on it, right? And in, in New York, there's like, they have these like, comedy theaters that training grounds um like ucb or whatever and but i couldn't seem to get into like the clicks you know to to be on like teams or whatever so i was like i should just start my own team and um or see if there's interest in it and i put a post on my facebook just like one post asking hey it would be anybody interested in joining a sketch comedy team with me and that one post uh i got flooded with people who were, were interested and to we're up to like like around 30 people on the roster and people on the wait list to oh. perform with us because um every show we do a different show and we have different cast and writers because i want to you know have opportunity for myself to perform and write and direct and all that stuff but i'm also like trying to you know give opportunities to well originally it was just like my friends but now it's like friends and people who are interested in like getting this comedy experience because there's I mean, it's better now with comedy for Asians, but there's still not enough. No, right. So it's you rotate kind of each show basically, right? Is that yeah, what you're saying? Like you every show is a different sketches, different. different cast, different writers. I love that. Do you feel, though, that things have changed from when you first started to now as far as opportunities, whether it's with acting or even in the sketch comedy world for Asian American actors and talent? I mean, there's definitely you see more people that look like us on screen. Uh, I still think it's very hard because I definitely think there's a focus more on like people who are Asian versus Asian American. Cause people are like, who are superstars in Asia have a following. So that's kind of like why they're like, okay with like having them here. Like Michelle, yeah, was like a superstar <laughs> in all of Asia for like decades. And then like, they're discovering her now at 60, you know, she's, she should have been doing leads here, you know? That is so, in you know, I'm so glad you brought this up. That is such an interesting point because I'm being Indian, being South Asian, that's what a lot of the Bollywood stars too. And, and, the, and, and these guys are, I mean, they're world known international stars. Like you said, just with Michelle too, right? And, um, but that recognition of their talent comes at such a later point, even if at all, here in Hollywood. I, I know that a lot of the actors from there too, they do have a difficult time crossing over. Some aren't even interested, some are, but that's such an interesting point you bring up. And I, I didn't even realize that the difference between Asian and then you've got Asian American talent that's trying to make their own pathway here. And I'm definitely there's more shows now, like we had Fresh Off the Boat, which is amazing, you know, short-lived, but still right. like progress versus like 
Margaret Cho's show, which got canceled pretty quickly. They they started paving the way, though, I think, right? Exactly. And and just so, like these like um, small incremental steps. And then Minnie Kaling yeah. has her shows on Netflix and seems to be making a so way. So it's growing. It's it growing. Just, it's hard. Well, but because it, 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 it's all about like what they perceive as like money and like marketable. So like now yes. like, like they'll, it's either like the Asian superstar talent that already has a huge following or like if there's a few that are doing really well, like Aquafina, but she was like a YouTube star. Um, yeah. They still use like all the same people. <laughs> like so it's hard. And everything. I'm so with you on that, Veronica. So how I, I feel like that you've kind of have started paving your own pathway in that too, though, because now you are a director and a writer. You co-wrote and directed films, namely Missed Calls, uh, Mila and Mimi 2, which have won the Lionsgate and Spy that Dumped Me Females Filmmaker Contest and Extinct, which won the Grand Pri Jury Prize in the AAFL 72 hour shootout and the best short film at Catra film series. So talk to me about these films and then are they available for screening online? Then I'm going to come back and ask you something about the creation of them. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the short films are available online or just you can email me and I'll send you the, the passwords to access some of them. Um, but yeah, it's just like, you can't just be an actor nowadays. You have to like write, direct, produce and do all these other things because no one's going to give you these opportunities. It's, it's actually harder and harder to get opportunities um, now. I mean, cause like you see all these like stream networks are converging and like, and getting rid of like whole collections of like TV shows. So it's like, actually that just like actors, even writers are suffering cause they're like losing all these jobs, you know? Yep. Because it's like, even in animation and narrative, it's, it's crazy. The industry is so different now. And it's like a lot of reality shows or it has to be like uh, IP, like, you know, based on books or video games to like, get something fresh and new unless you have like so how retouched so that's why you have like have to make your own stuff and hopefully maybe somebody rich <laughs> like uh <laughs> like what you're doing and invest in your, your 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 projects so then how do you keep yourself inspired and continue to go on this path when you do feel that it can be so challenging i mean surround yourself with people who are like-minded really helps so like that's another like thing about I love about Mom Majority. Um, we used to before the pandemic book, we used to have like monthly shows. We had a residency at like uh, the theater, which they offered us now. But I was like, that's so much work. <laughs> so we do like our sort of like our annual shows. Like we're having our an uh, annual Lunar New Year show on the January twenty eighth uh, that we do, which is the year the rabbit and cat, depending on which mm -hmm. country you're from. And so it's all like cat and rabbit theme. And oh, nice. it's, it's like every time we get to meet in the writer's room and like, you know, create things together and, and also perform together on stage in front of a live audience, um, a very supportive audiences, because we have like the best fans. Um, it's it's that's what keeps me going. That's like why we create, because while you're waiting for those opportunities, I just think always being around friends and family and creating is so helpful. And this is going to be a live show? Yeah, so we do live shows. Okay. And, and we so also do like video sketches too, but we try to do okay. the live shows. So people can get tickets and come watch this show. Yeah. And then uh, after the Lunar Year show, we do our annual AEPI History Month show in May. Oh, awesome. Okay, great. And, and we'll get the information from you after. And Veronica, with everything going on, you still find time to help animals. You train dogs and, and foster for animal rescue organizations. So tell us a little bit about that. 
I've always loved dogs, but uh, we weren't allowed to have dogs growing up. So when I was like an adult, I can finally have a dog, but I couldn't, you know, commit to it with my schedule. So, you know, I would foster dogs and a lot of uh, rescue dogs have a lot of issues, uh, behavioral and medical, physical issues. And so, yeah, I learned how to like train them and, uh, and care for them uh, medically. And that's like something I really love so that they like get uh, all better and, you know, socialize so that they can get home and like find the perfect home. I love that. What a beautiful gift to be able to give. And I just, I just, I like dogs better than people. (laughs) (laughs) I heard they're more loyal. I will tell you that. (laughs) And they just like unconditional love, right? They don't. Yeah. They just always love you. And no matter what, you're like perfect, right? To them. Um, You're also seen on stage doing stand-up, improv, sketch, and Shakespeare. What what don't you do, Veronica? So how do you find the time and energy (laughs) to manage all of this? I mean, I definitely take breaks, uh, but I just definitely have a lot of people that help me do a lot of these things too. Like, you know, my team, you know, I have, you know, a lot of people that love it. So they, we all chip in where we can to help. And then, you know, I mean, I just have so many interests and just because there's not enough work, I just have to like learn and train and do as much as I can. Um, Cause I mean, that's why you're an artist. You want to do things that yeah. are enjoyable and, always be creating so even though I probably don't have time there's times I'm like oh no what did I get myself into I'm exhausted I'm like I'm gonna quit I'm not doing this anymore and then you get that laugh and then you're like oh that'll fuel me for a while (laughs) and and tell me what kind of what advice would you like to give to people especially the younger generation um, of aspiring Asian Pacific Islanders who are thinking of pursuing a career as a comedian or in this industry I feel like, you know, like Gen Z and younger, like, are just so on top of it already with like TikTok and, you know, because they're already creating the content on their own, which is amazing. Like I didn't have that growing up. So we had YouTube, which was great, (laughs) but it's like, now you can just do much shorter, which is like really challenging, I think. Although I still cannot accept the vertical. (laughs) As a filmmaker, it it just, it burns my eyes. (laughs) Um, but yeah, just like, yeah, just life is short and like people destroying the planet. So you might as well enjoy it and do what you love and be, I guess I have a lot of gratitude and just like tell your family you love them (laughs) because tomorrow's not promised, right? Tomorrow is not promised and it's very in a pandemic. So yes, absolutely. So now you've got your model majority show coming up. Um, anything else that you want to share with us that you're working on or let people know about? Um, yeah, I'm just, <laughs> I'll be filming a fan film, Marvel fan film. Uh, Cause I don't Ooh. know if you know about the Asian female Spider-Man person, Silk. Yes. So like, like it's like when I looked at the comic book, I was like, she looks just like me. So, and they're actually going to, they're making the TV series I heard. So, but I was like, I'll, ne- I'll never get cast in that. So like, I'm, I'm getting together with my friends uh, and we're going to make a fan film. I even got the costume oh, made. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so that's what you're working on. Hey, who knows? We may see you in this series, especially if you look like, like the character. Um, oh, how, that's can I'm hoping. Find- <laughs> how can people find you, Veronica? Is there a website? What are your social media handles? 
Yeah, so for Mama Majority, we're at, at Mama Majority uh, for most of it, except for Twitter. We, we, kept, we had to get Mama Majority 1, even though most people are not on Twitter anymore. And uh, I'm Ironica Dang on socials. And then websites, MomMajority.com, and I'm at IvronicaDang.com. Awesome. And any plans to come to California and tour out here? Oh, I would love to, uh, but, you know, finances. So if anybody knows anybody who wants to sponsor us and pay for us to fly out, that'd be amazing. All right. Well, they're hearing it right here. So you heard Veronica. <laughs> she does need some sponsors to come through. Let's get her out here to Los Angeles, especially. Veronica, it has been such a pleasure speaking with you. Before I head out here, is there anything else you wanted to share? Just Happy New Year. Yes, absolutely. Happy New Year to you, too. And, and thank you. It's been such a pleasure having you on our show and hearing about your story. You're such a, a diversely talented individual, and I wish you the best and look forward to seeing more of your continued success. So again, we'd like to thank Veronica Dang for joining us on today's show. Also, for all of our audience, we would love to hear from you. So again, you are our valued listeners. Please do send us any suggestions for any future guests or topics that you may have. And don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, as well as follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Asian Pacific Voices Radio is produced by Asian Culture and Media Alliance, which is a nonprofit that empowers our Asian and Pacific Islander communities with a voice through media arts. Now, if you would like to support our program, please do visit us at AsianPacificVoicesRadio.com. I'm Rasha Goel. Thank you once again for joining and listening. And don't forget to join us next week for another exciting and thought-provoking Asian Pacific Voices radio show. Till then, take care and keep smiling. 